0: What's on your mind?
1: Well, good morning. Thank you for joining me for my special Sunday edition of TMI with Teresa, all about Kansas City. I love to just talk about people that are here and share their stories. I love to talk about all of our amazing organizations. And this week, we're going to talk about Community Blood Center. I have Chelsea Smith, the outreach and communications coordinator. We're going to tell you how if you donate, you can be entered to win some really cool stuff from the Kansas City Chiefs.
0: TMI, TMI with Teresa.
1: So I saw somewhere that January is... What, like National uh, Volunteer Blood Donor Mm -hmm. Month or something, right? Yep, yep. It's National Blood Donor Month. And then I saw that you guys are doing something super cool to, I guess, sort of give people an incentive to Uh donate. We're going to get to that a little bit later. Okay. But I want to just talk in general because I know there's a lot of people who have never donated blood. Mm -hmm. So what is the process? First of all, how old do you have to be?
0: So the youngest you can be to donate blood is 16. And if you're okay. a 16 year old, we require that you get parental permission. Seventeen and 18 year olds, you are good to go. There are a few different um, eligibility requirements that you'll have to deal with if you're under the age of 18 just because you're young and growing. But in general, we say you ought to be 16 or older, you got to weigh 110 pounds or more. So that's the general guideline. For I that. can't donate, <laughs> I'm too skinny.
1: Ah! <laughs> said me never in my life. <laughs> now you know that you say that it is funny, though, I think I remember. Donating when I was in high school. I know a lot of high schools, uh-huh. they yeah. organize blood donations. Mm-hmm. And at that time I remember thinking, I'm super cool because I'm old enough to do it. Yep. And not everybody was. Yeah, um, I'm actually a negative, which I guess is one of the more rare blood types. Uh-huh. And sure so is. i people, when I donate, people love me and I start yes. getting emails and they want me in all the time. Yep. Yep. Um, so how often can you donate?
0: So you can donate every eight weeks if you're donating whole blood, which is what you normally think of when you think of a a blood donation. I was going to say, what's whole blood and what's not whole blood? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So whole blood is what you, like I said, what you would normally think of. We just take a pint um, and we take it back with us. That's you donating a whole blood donation. You can also donate a double red cell donation. So what that means is we hook you up to a machine on site and we're able to take some of your blood out and separate it in a centrifuge between your red blood cells and your plasma. We give you your plasma back and we keep your red blood cells. Yeah, so- what would be the purpose of that? Why would you do that and not just give all the blood? Sure, so we're actually able, red blood cells, depending on um, patient need, red blood cells can sometimes be more in demand than plasma or platelets. And so what we do is if you are, for example, a core four- blood type, which A neg is a core. Oh, is that what I am? Uh Okay. (laughs) Core four is A neg, B neg, O neg and O pause. Okay. And so if you're one of those, we always need your red cells all the time. So what, what happens when you give an automated red cell donation or a double red cell donation is we actually get more red blood cells from you than we would if we took all of your whole blood in all of its glory with the plasma as well. So you do come away from the auto red feeling a little bit more well hydrated because we give you your plasma back with the saline solution. But with a normal whole blood donation, we're just taking it all. Okay.
1: And, you know, I know that every time I donated in the past, they always tell me, like, I get a little card or whatever and I know my blood type. I seem like I... I used to forget it all the time. Mm -hmm. The reason I remember it now is because of when I was pregnant with both of my sons Mm -hmm. and because I'm a negative, I have to have like a certain shot and all this stuff. So I've always remembered it. Yeah. So, um, can someone come in and donate even if they
0: don't know what their blood type is? I'm assuming that's something you guys just check after the fact. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you don't know your blood type, what happens is you'll come in, donate your um, first pint with us and we take it back and we do all the tests. And one of the tests is your blood type. When we figure out your blood type, we will actually develop a donor um, donor ID card for you. And so that's going to have your donor ID number on it. It's going to have your name on it and your blood type. Is that something
1: helpful to have in your wallet just in case of an emergency? Like if something happens to you and you're being treated and you're
0: unconscious, does mm-hmm. that help them or does it really matter? Absolutely, it does, absolutely. So O negative is the universal blood type and it's, it's most commonly used in emergency room scenarios because we don't have time to type out your blood. You know, if you got in a car accident and you need blood immediately and we don't know what your blood type is, more than likely, you're going to get a, a unit of O-Neg. Okay.
1: So, if you know, it just helps them to be able to save
0: that yes. for someone else yes. and give you your yes. blood type. Okay. So, because of that, we we go through a lot of O-Neg um, blood in our yeah. hospitals here locally. So, it, it is helpful if a nurse is able to just. Pull out your donor ID card, and they see that you're, you know, A neg, and they can go ahead and give you a unit of that instead of the O neg.
1: So the O neg is the universal, uh-huh. but um, why is mine so rare? Is it just there's not as
0: many people with
1: it, or not as many people with A neg donate?
0: Yeah, they are the only people with A negative can have it, right? Right. Okay. So, well, if you if you are Yes, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I know. It's confusing. I don't understand how all it of it is, works. I know,
0: I know. I work here professionally and I get I get mixed up on it. I don't blame you. Yeah. So you can receive O neg blood or A neg blood. Uh-huh. And an A pause donor could also receive A negative blood. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. But you cannot receive positive blood. Right. Yes. That's, that's what I learned when I was pregnant. Yes. Because
1: if my boys um, ended up with my husband's blood type, uh-huh. it could hurt me or mm-hmm. that's why I had to have some kind of a shot to prevent yep. me from getting sick. Yeah. Your body would reject it. Yeah. Yep. Isn't that interesting? It's wild. Our bodies are so weird. They are so weird. <laughs> <laughs> they're so weird. Okay. Well, I know that this is a, a really important thing because especially when there's a lot of disasters and things you always hear, please donate, please donate. But just on any given day, blood
0: donations seem to be down, don't they? they? They definitely are down. We're making it through the holiday season. It was it was rough the holidays are always a rough time for blood donation because we're busy right you know we're out, we're out of town or like with this year we're sick The flu is rampant. And because of that and the cold, if you can hear my voice right now, I have um, a very manly deep voice because I have a nice little cold. I'm into it. Yeah, it's great. It's great. The last couple of shows, I had that same voice. People just think you're me right now. (laughs) Absolutely. Sounds very nasally. But actually, so, you know, that's a that's a typical yearly thing that we see is a drop in donations around the winter months and in the summer as well. People are busier in the summer. But what we have recently discovered is that it's a little bit deeper than that. So we pulled a bunch of data about our donor base, our numbers, what our numbers looked like 10 years ago and what they look like today. And the results were very sobering. So I have some numbers. I don't want to, you know, talk your ears off about it. But the most sobering number was this. Our decline in our overall donor database, which consists of the Kansas City area, we go out into Topeka, St. Joe. It's a very, very broad spectrum of, um, areas that we service. So we've seen in the last five years, a drop in about 2000. So 2000 donors, five years ago, were donating and now they're not. Well, 10 years ago, we saw 21,000 more donors donating than we do today. Why do you think there's such a big difference? I, you know, we, we don't have the exact answer to that. There are probably a multitude of reasons that that are contributing to this, but 21,000 donors in our area, I mean, Kansas City is not that big. So that's a huge portion of our donor base, of our population that used to be donating and now they're not. So what we think the the main contributing factor to that would be our baby boomer population is declining. Right. So baby boomers, obviously biggest generation that had ever happened at the time. And now they're getting older. They're getting sick. They're becoming blood recipients themselves. Um, some of them might be dying. It's it's uh, that that population, which was the backbone of the blood donation industry for so long, is is starting to quote age out of um, being able to donate blood. Do you think it's because this younger millennial
1: generation? Everything is online. Everything mm-hmm. is an app. Everything is, you can help in ways, but you don't have to actually go anywhere or yep. be present. And mm-hmm. so you can't donate blood
0: over the phone. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So what, what we're seeing from that, that drop in 21,000, well, the millennials are bigger than baby boomers mm-hmm. and Gen X or is it Gen Z that's after I never know what I, I, I in, I'm in the middle somewhere. Up. I don't know what I am. I think it's Gen X is... The parents of the millennials,
1: okay, Gen that Z, would be me.
0: Gen Z are the individuals who are like in high school right now. Okay, their their population is even bigger than the millennial population. It's gigantic. So we should easily be replacing these donors with new donors from our you know millennial and Gen Z generations, and we're not. And um, so it, it, it's funny you bring that up. A lot of people. I'm a millennial myself. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have some negative things to say about my generation and (laughs) it it, it always, it always bugs me a little bit because actually there are some great characteristics about millennials and Gen Zers. They're very charitable in nature. Mm -hmm. They care about social justice issues. They care about, um, they care about sticking up for people who can't stick up for themselves. They care about doing altruistic things. Like blood donation, you would think. Right. You know, this is a way to help somebody who can't help themselves. This is a way to save a life. This is a way to do something altruistically that, you know, makes you feel good because you help somebody, but then ultimately it results in somebody being able to stay alive. And you bringing up the fact that everything is at the palm of our hand, well, blood donation requires a little bit more effort. You Mm got to come into a donor center. You got to come into a blood drive and then you got to sit there and let us put a needle in your arm. It's not um, the easiest way to give back, but it is 100% one of the most important ways.
1: I think we also, and and I do agree, I think that your Mm -hmm. generation is very charitable and I feel like they're the first to, we're going to march or we're going to protest this or we're going to get active. Mm -hmm. But I also think this generation, it's funny We used to have to swallow giant horse pill vitamins and medicine. Now we have gummies. Uh, We used to have flu shots. Now there's that spray that they put up your nose. So honestly, we're joking, but maybe needles are not millennials thing. No, (laughs) maybe we've uh, uh, been a little too babied. Mm -hmm. Well, and I also think that, um, see, in my generation, obviously in the late 80s, and the 90s, there was a lot of talk about HIV. And, um, just blood issues. And so I think it was just more top of mind and it was discussed, Mm -hmm. which by the way, we should point out for those who've never donated, it is incredibly safe. Yep. So it's okay Mm -hmm. to donate. Don't be worried about, you know, diseases and things like that. Everything's tested. And I mean, absolutely. Like every time you donate, it's clean needles, all of that stuff. (laughs) Absolutely. But I think that, um, in my generation, it just was discussed more. And so. I don't know if people talk about it as much now, Mm -hmm. kind of like when I was growing up, they said that everything for me was don't drink and drive, don't drink and drive. And it's been hounded in so much that now my son's generation, they actually don't talk about that as much. It's more about don't text and drive Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, maybe don't do drugs or something, Mm -hmm. but you actually don't hear people talk about the alcohol as much. Yeah. It's like we've moved on to different issues and maybe that's
0: kind of the same with blood donation. Yeah, definitely. Well, and as with the baby boomers, they, I mean, their parents were in the world wars. Yeah. You know, blood donation was actually first, the first blood transfusion to ever be put into an, from one human into another human body was actually during world war one. And that was around the time when everybody was talking about that. And they're like, well, you know, everybody that you know is being sent to overseas to go fight in a war. We need to send blood with them because they're going to need it. Yeah. And then you know, obviously the baby boomers weren't, weren't in world war one, but (laughs) their grandparents were, and their parents were, and it was very top of mind for them. And it became a civic duty, you know, to donate blood. And the generations after that, um, fortunately haven't been as scarred by the effects of war. Um, I think that had a lot to do with the driving force behind the baby boomer generation though. We, we think that just the culture around that time was, this happens, people need blood and it's your duty as an American citizen to go give blood.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that isn't so much for the generations that followed.
1: Right. Kind of going mm-hmm. back to what we said earlier, I feel that when when something happens, it used to be, hey, let's head right to the blood banks. Mm-hmm. Now, like let's say there was a disaster here in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. It used to be, hey, let's go to the blood banks. Now it's, let's text a donation over my phone. I, yeah. I really want to help. Yeah. But, you know, that's what they do. So Absolutely. it's just different. Yeah. Um, and also I think, That is probably harder to get someone to just come by community blood center and donate as opposed to, hey, my school's having a blood drive or, hey, this place that's right here in front of my house, Mm -hmm. you know, in my neighborhood is having a blood drive. So we kind of need organizations in this
0: area to step up and host a blood drive, right? Which is that pretty easy to do? What's Uh the first step? Oh, yeah. For the blood drives we already have scheduled, mm-hmm. if you go to savelifenow.org, you can see a list of all of our donor centers and all of our, our um, open to the public blood drives in whatever area that you're in. You can search by zip code. If you're interested in hosting a drive yourself, you can call, give us a call at the blood center and they'll actually transfer you to the correct departments you need to be speaking to. Or there is a hosted drive form you can fill out online at savelifenow.org, and that will go directly to our donor recruitment department. And they're the guys who plan all of our blood drives in the area. Okay.
1: I want to get mm -hmm. to all of these locations that you just were referring to, Mm -hmm. because I know you have a really cool incentive for January being volunteer blood donation Mm -hmm. month or whatever the official, Mm -hmm. what's the official term? (laughs) National blood donor month. (laughs) Okay. Yes. (laughs) Um, But just on that note about Uh if you want to host one, I'm sure there's lots of organizations who want to host and but maybe they don't have a location would mm-hmm. that same team that helps you coordinate be able to help you find a place yep like they can physically
0: host the donation yep absolutely okay. and and a lot of times we do in-center blood drives as well okay but so you just if have you've a group got, kind of hosted uh-huh. okay. or if you have a group that's really small and maybe they won't um Produce enough, you know, units of blood to warrant us driving out to you. Right. You can go to one of your area blood or area blood centers. I'm sorry, and um, donate in there as sort of a blood drive. So.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. Well,
0: so let's talk about what you're doing um, for this month. A special incentive with the Chiefs. Yes. So National Blood Donor Month is really important to us for obvious reasons, and we wanted to um, give back in a really big way this year. So. We're actually doing a Chiefs season ticket giveaway, and there are, we're calling them Chiefs Fan Pack giveaways, and there are two of them. So two lucky donors in the area will win one of these giveaways. Each contains two season tickets to the 2021 Chiefs football season, one season parking pass, and two NFL Chiefs hats. Um, and this applies to all donors who donate at any of our locations in the month of January. So whether that's a donor center, we've got seven of those or whether it's a blood drive and we've got tons of those. So, again, you can find a list of all the locations on at Save Life dot org. But OK, let's go ahead and go through them just in case someone's driving sure. and they're like, oh, that one's near my house. Yeah. So <laughs> blood drives, there's hundreds of them. But. For the donor centers, we've got our our Kansas City location, which is right over here on Main Street. I could have literally walked from <laughs> uh, from the Main Street location to your studio here. Um, we've got one in um, Overland Park, Kansas. That's on Metcalf. We've got one in Olathe, Kansas. We have a Gladstone location. Um, we've got a Blue Springs location and a Topeka, Kansas location, as well as a St. Joe location. Um, so seven in total and all of those addresses can be found online too, and you can also make appointments there as well.
1: Okay, and that's save a life Yes. Okay. And mm-hmm. then so you just show up during specifically at your locations during this month through January thirty yep. first. Yep. And just you're
0: entered automatically, yep. you donate you and you're Automatically entered. entered. Yep. Okay. Yep. All yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: When when we were going through the requirements earlier, we talked about you might have some health issues or mm-hmm. age requirement.
0: Is there anything else that people need to know? Um, no, we, so when you come in, we'll do kind of a mini physical. We'll take down your information and then you'll go pop into a booth with one of our phlebotomists and we test your blood pressure. We'll take your temperature. Um, and then we actually prick your finger to test the iron levels in your blood. So that's another big one too. Um, see, I tend to be anemic sometimes, uh so I have to be careful when I Yeah, Women struggle with that a lot. So What we usually suggest is a couple days before your donation, start drinking a lot of water if you're not doing that already, Um, eat big meals, do not skip any meals, and maybe focus on some iron rich foods. So that's spinach, steak, things like that. So if you're doing that and you're kind of helping to bulk up, some people even take an iron supplement before they come in. If you want to do that, you can do that. Um, But if your iron is um, at a good level, then we'll go ahead and proceed with the blood donation. But I would, I would be willing to bet that most of our deferrals, uh, most of the reasons that we can't accept blood, that's usually because of iron levels. Okay. Yeah. They fluctuate a lot. And and especially with the, the population of women, it's. Yeah. Men don't understand that. It's crazy. Yeah, (laughs) it is.
1: is. So you mentioned the food part. Um, Should you eat a big meal before you donate or not? Because obviously you don't want to get lightheaded and pass Mm -hmm. out, but if you ate a huge meal, would would you get sick? Nope. Like
0: we, we want you to eat a huge meal. No, you need to eat a huge meal. Okay. So if you are coming in in the morning, please have already eaten a huge breakfast. If you're coming in the afternoon, make sure that you ate lunch. Um, and then after that, don't skip meals. Right. That's actually when you want to throw your diet out the window and eat a cheeseburger. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, just recover from that. That's a, it's a good reason to, um, uh, steer away from your, your diet for a day. um, But yeah, don't skip meals, keep drinking lots of water and no, if you eat a big meal before you come in, that's actually going to help you tremendously during your donation. Okay. Um, And what's about the average time it takes so someone could plan? mm -hmm. So from start to finish, that's paperwork to you've already donated and now you're eating cookies. We usually suggest that you set aside an hour. Oftentimes it takes less than that. I I'd usually say around 45 minutes. Okay. So there's five steps that you'll go through and I can run through those real quick if you want. Yeah. So when you get there, you'll register. And that's when we just take, We you'll need a photo ID or your donor ID card. We'll take your information um, and then we'll give you a, a little tablet and you will go and answer about 40, I think it's 49, but we might've added some since then, maybe 50 questions um, about your medical history, any medications you're on, if you've traveled anywhere recently. And then...
1: Does that affect it, by the way, if you've mm-hmm. been out of the country or something, they might you, yep. they might not let you donate, right? Yeah,
0: not, okay. not always. It depends. We basically have... Maps And Mm -hmm. if you're, if this area that you have been in recently was a red area, which usually means malaria, then you're usually um, deferred for a year to three years, depending on where it's at. But most places you're fine. I mean, we're not, we're not going to have those issues quite often, but if you go you know, down south to go on vacation in the Bahamas or something, sometimes that can affect it.
1: What about how Um, lately they've been saying, like, if you're in the Dominican and because of Zika
0: virus, is that something? Zika actually, so Zika was a problem when it first came about Uh because we didn't have any way to test for it. So even in Florida for a while, no donors in the United States who lived in Florida could donate blood for like a month because they didn't have any way to test for Zika and there were um, there's an outbreak of Zika down there. We have ways to test for that now, so it doesn't matter. So, if the only problem in that region was Zika and it wasn't malaria, we're fine. If it was malaria, okay. even if you don't have malaria, sometimes that can lie dormant. So, we usually will defer for a year to three years.
1: When you screen someone's blood, mm. if it does come up with a red flag, do you notify that person? Absolutely. Okay. Yes,
0: yes. Our donor staff will um, reach out to that donor immediately. And they'll, you know, we usually suggest you go connect with your doctor, go get tested there just to make sure, because you can always have false positives with the test. Mm -hmm. Um, So see, by donating, you could be saving your own life. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we... Would hope nothing would ever come up on your test like that, but Mm -hmm. we are fortunately, we are on your side. So we will let you know if that happens. Okay. And we were kind of going through the steps. You said the five steps, did we get through them all? Um, Did I interrupt you? So step two is you're filling out all those questions. Uh Step three is that medical history that I was talking about. the, The mini physical where we'll take your vitals and make sure that you're ready to go. Step four is actual donation. And that actually usually takes the least amount of time, maybe you'll be on the bed for 10 minutes. It's a pretty quick process. Our staff do this every single day, day in and day out. So it doesn't hurt like you think it's going to hurt. <laughs> it really doesn't. I it promise. Really and and I even get
1: queasy. So as long as I just look the other direction yep. then yep. I'm okay, well, was yep. rude of me. Look at me with my, that is my number one rule. Turn off your phone in the studio. <laughs> um, yeah, I am um, like, cause anytime I go to the doctor and they take blood, it doesn't hurt. They're, yep. they're very gentle. Mm-hmm. It's very fast. For some reason, I just can't look at it. But all I do is I just look the other way and you don't
0: even feel it. Yeah. Yeah. And while you're on the bed, you said you get queasy sometimes. So our staff, like I said, do this day in and day out every single day. They know how to handle anything. So if you start feeling queasy, they'll know how to handle it. If you start getting hot, they'll know how to handle it. That being said, um, reactions, that's what we call that is Mm -hmm. a reaction to a blood donation. Those rarely happen. Maybe 2% of the donors that we that we see actually have a reaction. And most of the time, it's in your head. Yeah. So most of the time, you're <laughs> really nervous. That's why I can't nervous. look at this. <laughs> yes. Most of the time, like in high schools, if they've never done it before, you know, they're nervous. They don't want a needle in their arm, but they still want to do this. But they don't <laughs> they can, look silly in front yeah, of their friends or something. You can yeah. psych yourself out mm-hmm. and, and make yourself a little lightheaded. And that's totally okay. It's not abnormal, but it isn't. Something that you should expect. Right. So don't think that if you're going to come donate blood, you're for sure going to pass out or you're for sure going to throw up. That's not going to happen. So that's four. Four is the donation. And then the last one, number five, is everyone's favorite, refreshment. And we give you a bunch of cookies and a bunch of soda. And we just let you sit there and hang out for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then if you guys feel fine after that, you are free to go about your day.
1: Do you ever have anyone that just really milks it in two hours later?
0: They're like, well, I just really feel like I need another cookie. <laughs> Maybe not two hours, but we definitely have donors who milk it and they yeah. don't, they let us know. They're like, this is the only time I eat Nutter Butters is when I donate blood. So I'm going to have it. five of
1: them. <laughs> we should also say too, um, is there something you recommend that people wear? I mean, obviously if you're wearing short sleeves, it's easier, right? Um, yeah, you have to, you can't just strip down naked. Yeah, <laughs> Don't no. be wearing like the thickest, tightest
0: sure. turtleneck long sleeve I that know. you can't even pull up. Yeah. The winter months are particularly, particularly hard for that because everyone's wearing sweaters. Yeah. Um, for the most part, if you're just wearing, you know, a blouse or a thin t-shirt, we can take your blood pressure and pull your sleeve up and we're fine. So as long as you can push it yeah. up out yeah. of the way. Yeah. It, it, it does help if you do that. But if you show up and you've got, you know, an intricate sweater on that doesn't pull up or something like that. We actually have spare t-shirts at okay. almost all of our mobiles. So yeah. So if you need to go and change so that we can access the vein in your arm, that's totally cool. And we'll, and you can get a t-shirt out of it. So <laughs>
1: hey, I'm always, you yeah. get cookies, you get soda, you yeah. get you know, t-shirts. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, all yeah. right. Well, so just sort of in closing, um, is there anything you'd like to say to Kansas city who, you know, just about blood donation in general or about community blood center? You know,
0: I think I would just, leave you with kind of what we are talking about in regards to the lack of millennial donors. We're seeing the lack of Gen Z um, where the future of our, of the blood industry and the baby boomers will be gone. And this is just the simplest act of service that you can give to somebody in your community all the blood and community blood center stays here locally. We supply all of the hospitals in this area. And so if you're giving a blood, uh, if you're giving a unit of blood, we can guarantee it's going to go to one of these hospitals. It's going to go to a patient that needed it in order to survive. And that's, I mean, as cheesy as it sounds, it literally is life and death. So and you if, never know;
1: it could be one of your loved ones that eventually is going to yeah. need it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's your, it's your loved ones. It's your friends and family, your neighbors. Those are the people that you're serving by giving blood. So definitely would encourage you to add that to your uh, bucket list this year. And remember
1: (laughs) through January 31st, we have that chiefs incentive and you can get all the info at savealifenow.org. Thank you. Thank you guys. That's going to do it for this week's show. Big thanks again to Chelsea Smith from Community Blood Center. Remember, you can get all the info you need at savealifenow.org. And if you would like to hear past episodes of TMI with Teresa, or you'd like to read my blog, or if you know someone who has an interesting story that you would love to share with all of Kansas City, then please just go to tmiwithteresa.com.